You're listening to The Lovish Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Sita Hood, vision architect and licensed therapist. Each week, I'm going to help you to develop the belief and strategy necessary to make an immediate impact on the world by deep diving into topics like mental wellness, faith, relationships, and you guessed it, love. I should mention before we hop into the show, this is not a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist. Welcome to the special series, The Holiday Hype. In this series, we're focused on releasing old narratives that make us dread the holidays, embracing new perspectives and traditions, and getting hype for our newfound freedom. Grab your mug, your notebook and pen, and let's get hype! Hey, hey, welcome back for part three of the holiday hype. Again, I am Dr. Sita, and I hope that you have been enjoying this special series for the holidays. So today we're going to be talking about something that is challenging for all of us at one point or another. Um, If you are listening to this podcast on your favorite listening app, I want to let you know that it is available as a YouTube episode over on my channel. You're going to go to youtube.com forward slash at Dr. Sita Hood. And if you are watching this, we're just going to let my hair do what it's doing, okay? Because somehow when I put the headband and the headphones on, it just decided that it wanted to be bigger on one side. So we just going to go with the flow. You know, it's close to wash day. We can take that. It is what it is. Okay. So we are halfway through the holiday hype. How are you feeling? Have you actually been doing your homework? Have you been feeling empowered? What exciting things are you planning to get hyped for this holiday season? I want to hear about it. I want to hear about it either in the comments or if you are listening to this, I would love it if you tag me on social media and tell me what it is that has been getting you hype. I want to get hype with you too, girl. Okay. Yes. So anyway, tag me, let me know. And if you've been finding these episodes helpful, share them, share them with people in your life that you feel like could also use this knowledge. All right, here we go. We're just going to jump right on into today's topic, family feud. Sips tea because it's necessary, except y'all know me, and this is definitely coffee. (laughs) I drink tea at night, and it's daytime right now, so we're definitely drinking coffee. What I have in my mug is the donut shop regular. Okay, so when was the last time that you felt seen? When was the last time that you felt like your voice really, really mattered? Now, I know that you show up to holiday functions and you usually go with the flow because you feel like it's kind of irrelevant for you to have an opinion or for you to think very differently from the pack. So you usually just kind of fade to the background. Or maybe you feel like the pain of the past is too strong and way too exhausting to even want to tap into. And you might feel like it's just easier if you tuck it away 
and pretend that it doesn't exist. You already know, I'm going to tell you that that is not the solution. When I worked at an affluent um, suburban school, I was chosen to be part of a crisis response team in the city of Chicago after a school shooting. It was an emotionally exhausting experience, to say the least. Um, you know, to to come in as part of a team and try to effectively manage people's tears, their fears, their anxiety, their overwhelm, their exhaustion. It's challenging. So I remember that morning because I got the call um, late that night. This was one of our sister schools. So this was a, there was a school in the suburb and then there was a branch that was in Chicago that was like a sister school. And I got the call that evening um, about being part of the team. And we had to get up early the next morning to go meet because they were planning to do like a debrief. And so first they wanted to debrief us, the crisis response team. And then they wanted to debrief the staff. And then we would be there prepared for the kids. So the kids came into the school and you know, it's kind of a quiet morning. Obviously, there was a shooting the day before um, on school property. And we were split into teams. And there was one person from the crisis response team sent to each um, group. And so we were in that room. I remember we were in the media center or the library And we sat in a circle and there were a couple of staff that worked at the school there and the kids began to talk and they were just talking about how they felt. And the general consensus was fear, overwhelm, anxiety, hopelessness. I mean, everything that you might imagine after witnessing such a traumatic event. And so um, it came time for us to talk. And I said to the kids, you know, I, of course, empathized with them. So there was that part responding to the emotions that were there. But I said to the kids, you know, you have the power to change this. You have the power to stop this. You can use your voice to tell your friends, to tell people you know, hey, Joe, this is not the the way to respond. And the kids were really... Um, receptive to that. And they enjoyed our conversation. And so after that split up group, we were pulled back as an entire school unit and kind of debriefed as a whole. And we shared things that had come out of our groups. And there was a woman who was in my group, one of the ones that worked at the school, and she didn't say anything for the whole time that we were in there. When we got back together in the auditorium with all the kids and they asked if staff had anything to say, this woman raises her hand and she's like, I don't think that this was a good idea. I don't think it's right for staff to come from a suburban place, a very safe place and affluent neighborhood to come in and tell our kids that they can stop gun violence. This is how kids get killed. And you offered them false hope. 
So obviously she wasn't talking directly to me, but she was talking directly to me. After she spoke, I could have just like let her be in her fields or whatever, but I raised my hand and I had to let her know who I was and who I was, meaning I just moved to the suburbs. I grew up on the South side of Chicago. There were school shootings regularly at my school, people shooting outside of the school, people shooting as I'm walking home from school, fights down the block that you have nothing to do with that you get caught up in, friends that have access to guns and knives and talking about going and throwing bricks at people's heads. I don't speak from a far removed position. I speak having been in the position to have stopped several of my friends from doing very foolish things. So she didn't have anything to say after that. And I reiterated my point. You are the person that can make a difference. This is why your voice matters because we as staff can say to these kids, hey, that's not a good choice. But if you think about it, if your girl just found out that her man was cheating on her and she's ready to go bust his window, slash his tires and all of that, you got to be the voice of reason and the friend to say, hey, girl, look, that's not the way to do it. You got too much on the line here and it will be temporary satisfaction that won't even make you feel good. So we left that incident and... You know, I don't know if the lady was still upset after that, but the point being that those kids were receptive to that because I fiercely believe even to this day that their voices matter. Just like I believe that your voice matters, you matter because you see things in your family much different than anybody else. Your voice has a unique tone. You have influence. You have power. What you believe actually matters to people. And when you function from a place of fear or anxiety, you can't change things. You can't even see things clearly to be able to have the answer. So just like that woman, if you're functioning from a place of anxiety, and I want to pause here right quick. I wasn't upset at her for that comment. She was speaking from a place of fear. And fear can have you say things that you know, again, are not very well thought out or that just keep you frozen in place. She had experienced trauma too. So there was no reason like to be angry about that or frustrated because people can only bring their experiences to a situation. So she was speaking from her own experience. She thought I was talking from a different place rather than being in a position where it's like, nah, girl, I actually ran from gunshots before. I'm not saying this because I haven't run from bullets before. Like that's a real thing when you grow up in the hood. So back to you and your family. I want to take a second and I want you to close your eyes with me for a moment and tell me what you see. When you think of an ideal family dinner or the holidays, instead of the pain or rejection, what's the other thing that you see? What's your vision for the holidays? Do you see people coming to your house, going to big mama's house? Do you see people playing games? Do you see your family engaging in some new traditions? What is it that you see that warms your heart, even if it feels impossible to reach? 
what is it that you see? And then taking things a step further, what needs to happen in order to breathe life into this vision? What narratives need to shift internally for you? Because just like the woman functioning from a place of fear, you can't reset the tone of holidays and family dynamics if you're functioning out of anxiety, if you're functioning out of fear of what the person who carries the most weight or influence in your family is going to think if you speak up and say what you see. If you're functioning from that place, you'll stay silent forever. So what narratives need to be shifted in you internally? What conversations do you need to have with people? Maybe you need to have some conversations ahead of time. Maybe you need to have some conversations later on. I want to take you through a framework that I call the redesign. This is how we redesign your belief system and your narratives to set you up for an amazing holiday. I want you to envision a room and this room is filled with furniture. It's filled with stuff, right? It's comfortable sometimes, but you kind of just want to change it. You're tired of it. It doesn't fit the aesthetic that you're going for. It's not as functional for you. And so if you want to change that room, do you just toss more couches in there? Do you put another chair in there? Do you add stuff in there? Nine times out of 10, you're going to pull everything out of that space. And you're going to decide what colors do I want in this space? What type of art do I want in this space? What's the feel that I want people to have when they step into this space? And so you look at some of the things that you have, like maybe you've had this couch for 17 years because this was something your mom gave you when you first were graduating from high school or something. It's pretty old and it has sentimental value, but it doesn't fit the aesthetic you're going for. Then you have this piece of art that your mom gave you just last year and it's gorgeous and you love it. And that definitely is part of the inspiration for the aesthetic that you're going for. And then you notice this tattered blanket that your grandmother gave you because she handmade the blanket. That does fit the aesthetic as an accent piece. But then there's this rug that your aunt gave you and that doesn't fit at all. Actually, the rug is quite hideous. If we're being honest, you only kept it because you didn't want to offend your aunt. So as you're deciding to redesign and deciding to pick the colors, you've got to throw some stuff away that does not match with the aesthetic you're going for. Now, I want to make this um, translate for you. When you are redesigning your belief systems, your narratives, you accept the things, the narratives and belief systems that you were passed down. You accept those things that align with who you are and who you want to be today. And you give away or give back the narratives and belief systems that don't align with the aesthetic that you want to build. It is the exact same concept. You cannot build new narratives, new belief systems on top of fragile, old, 
tattered beliefs. You have to sift through the stuff that's already there, decide what works for you, decide what is in alignment with God's will for you, and then you move from there. And most of the time, after you've cleared out the space, you're probably going to need to fill it up with some new stuff. Not to the point of overflowing where it is tacky, but to make it just right. That's how I want you to envision not just the holiday season, but today and moving forward. Where do you need to redesign things? Where do you need to change narratives and toss out old belief systems? Where are you finding yourself struggling the most when it comes to navigating holidays, navigating family, navigating family feud? Um, I wrote a book that I think I've told you guys about before. It's called 20 Days to Better Relationships. And it's a workbook because I firmly believe that you have to do the work if you want to see a transformation. So what you're going to get in this book is definitely going to be a pep talk from me, but you're also going to get several sections of reflection and activities and questions to guide you through the process of resetting your relationships of redesigning, redefining what you want your relationships to look like. There's a digital version and then there's a physical version. You don't have to get this book if you don't want to get the book. But obviously I highly recommend the book, especially if you're in the middle of a redesign. I would be remiss if we did not talk about what I am loving this week. I am loving Reasonable Doubt. Y'all watch Reasonable Doubt? I'll tell you why I love Reasonable Doubt. Reasonable Doubt on Hulu. Um, I'm gonna. This is a spoiler alert. So if you if you're not caught up, you want to get caught up. You don't want to hear this part. Skip ahead a little bit. But I love Reasonable Doubt because of the emotions. Anytime something can draw the emotions out and really just paint a good picture of like what life is like from several different angles, I'm a fan. And I want to point out that Jax is at a point where she is about to lose everything in life, all based on this one thing. She decided to keep a secret. She didn't keep it a secret from her mom, but she decided to keep it a secret from her husband and from everybody else. And because she tried to stuff that thing down and pretend like it didn't exist or it didn't happen, She is going through life internally struggling, internally having issues, but she's about to lose everything that she's worked so hard for. So this is an example of how just by opening up your mouth and saying something, you can shift the narrative. I promise you, you can do it. There's going to be maybe a period where it's a little bit challenging, but you got it. I'm rooting for you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, share the love. Share with your mama, share with your auntie, share with your best friend, and then head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Reviews help the podcast to grow. Well, that is all I have for you this week. I'll see you out on these social media streets. Bye.